the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Kettering Baptist Church. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. I want to invite your attention to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. The word of the Lord reads as follows. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Amen. This afternoon, I find myself in this passage of scripture by the divine leading of the Lord, not by my choice, but by his clear leadership. I don't like to, nor am I accustomed to preaching the news. But there are some extenuating circumstances in our country that have brought a lot of people to a place of anger. There are in our country, in our homes, and in our church, a number of people who have been enraged by what we've seen happen in our country this week. We're angry that two African-American men can be gunned down by police officers and seemingly no one cares. There's a sense of anger and rage that is rising up and has been stirred up in this week and the witnessing and watching of Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, who just happens to be a distant relative of mine, Phil Castile in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and his girlfriend live streaming the whole process, watching a man die on video. We're angry, and anger has become stirred up in our country. Angry because we keep seeing these things happen. And nobody seems to be caring. There's a sense of anger that there's injustice. And that even when there is some legal process, nobody ever gets convicted. It's always deemed justifiable homicide. There's anger that has been stirred up because our president has rallied around every gay rights agenda, but yet he has been silent on these kinds of things. There's anger about mayors and governors of states who have been slow to respond when these things have happened. Angry because it seems like nobody cares and it seems like, as the movement declares, that black lives don't matter. There's anger at the fact that 12 police officers, innocent, are shot, five of whom are killed and who have families as well, and all of those families are upset. And the police department is upset, and there's anger that is fueled 
and pouring out and rage in some cases that is going on in our country. We're angry. We're, we're upset. We're disturbed. We're in a bad place for some, if you'd be honest with yourselves. Many have turned their anger into movements. The one that is most prevalent in our society is the Black Lives Matter movement. And as I myself have been dealing with this anger of the moment, the shock and awe of watching what we've seen this week and this repetitious behavior in our country, I told my wife, I said, you know what, we are too close to this thing, and there's got to be more to it than what we're seeing, and we need to step back. Step back and see a bigger picture, and so I tried to do that. And in this movement of the Black Lives Matter, I'm not attacking it, I agree, black lives do matter, but I have some questions about it. I had a question whether it's only black lives that matter. That's a question I had about this black lives matter. I had a question, do black lives only matter to black people? I had a question, do black lives really matter to black people? Do black lives matter at all? Or have we missed something when Jesus, the Savior of the world, came and said, I give my life as a ransom for all. And he died to save not just black lives, not blue lives. He died for all. So I have some questions as I wrestled with this whole thing about Black Lives Matter and all this movement. People are, are wanting to rally and this and that. And I'm, I said, well, as I step back away from it, I said, when 500,000 blacks died in the civil wars of Somalia, where were the marches? Where were the protests? When in 2011, 225,000 died in the droughts in Somalia, when we could have sent resources, we had the resources, we just didn't send them. Last year, when 13,500 blacks died in Nigeria and the southern Sudan of starvation, while we run to Chick-fil-A, Burger King, and Cheesecake Factory and leave food on the plate, black lives matter then? Did we care then? I'm not even dealing with the black lives that died with HIV. And we had the medicine, but we put the price so high that those in Africa couldn't even touch it. And we watched them die. I didn't even, I don't even deal with the Ebola bacteria and everybody who they brought back to the USA, they lived. We didn't do anything for those over there. Everybody was silent. There was no protest. There was no up in arms. There was no government involvement. We just kind of just let it go. And you're probably thinking, well, Pastor, oh, that's overseas, that's Africa. You know, let me bring it home to the U.S. for us. When 870 black innocent lives are aborted every day in America, there's no protest for that. Nobody's marching, nobody's angry, no, no rallies, no news report. In fact, in 2012, more black babies were aborted than born. No rallies, no, no marches, no parades, no nothing, no anger. But yet, black lives matter. Listen to this. 90% of the homicides among African Americans in the United States don't come at the hands of police officers. 
nor at the hands of Asians, Hispanics, whites. 90 plus percent of the homicides in our country is black on black. Black Lives Matter. Now, I'm not sharing any of this to minimize the wrong that has happened. It's wrong what we saw. It's evil what we saw. I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm trying to step back away from it because I need to see a bigger picture. Because we're too close, and when you're close on something and not getting a good perspective, anger can take you to places you ought not be. So I'm trying to step back. I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm not trying to erase it. I'm not trying to do away with it because it's a lot of stirred up anger behind all this. There's anger on the part of blacks. There's anger on the part of whites. There's anger on the part of Asians and Hispanics. There's anger on the part of politicians and policemen. There's even anger of our president. There's anger all the way. Everybody's angry. And if we're not careful, if we don't handle it and deal with the anger, then we're going to be in bigger trouble. And so God has led me to this place to try to speak prophetically to help us deal with this anger. In this passage of scripture, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Christians to try to encourage them to live to the expectation that they have now come into as born-again believers, to put away the old man, to live in the newness of spirit and mind that they have accomplished. He's encouraging them to be faithful in the new life they have in Christ Jesus. And in the middle of him talking about all that, he drops this bomb of a statement that doesn't even seem like it fits. And he says, be angry and sin not. I want to talk for a few minutes from the subject matter, help in handling the anger. He says here in the text, in verse 26, he says, be angry and do not sin. First thing I want to extract from this passage that I think will help us in handling the anger is don't let it drive you. Because anger will drive you to sin. When he says be angry, it is not a command from God to command you to be angry. What he's doing, he's acknowledging that anger is a natural emotional response that you and I will have. A natural way of the body alerting you that the environment has changed and is unsuitable or undesirable and that there is some sense or semblance of wrong that has been done, discomfort that's being experienced or something to that nature. That's really what the essence of it is. It's a natural God-given emotion. And so when God says, be angry, I know you will. It's going to happen. He's acknowledging that anger will happen. Now, the natural inclination of the body is to respond to correct the environment that's off. When someone has wronged you, you get angry and your body and your mind says, do something. Correct the environment. The environment's off. Do something to correct it. But here's what he says And then this is what I hear him say, don't let anger drive because if you let anger have the driver's seat, if you let anger have the steering wheel, it will drive you to a place called sin. When Paul made this statement here in the text, he is actually quoting Psalms 4.4. In Psalm 4.4, what the psalmist says there is some instruction that helps us in not allowing anger to have the driver's control. He says in Psalms 4.4, Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart. 
on your bed and be still. What am I supposed to do with this anger, Pastor? I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm infuriated. I'm, I'm enraged. Meditate, pray, talk to God, and be still. Why does the Lord tell us that? He tells us that because he knows everything in you says do something else. Take matters into your own hands. Handle it yourself. It Doesn't anger tell you that? In the moment, it seemed like the right thing to do because anger was driving. And anger drove you to a place called sin. And then later you had to deal with the consequences of the sin. But it all started with anger that we let have the stirring wheel. Don't let anger drive. Pray and be still. Oh, pastor, that's weak. I'm angry. I got to do something. I'm telling you what to do. Pray. Talk to God. Take the anger to the Lord and put it in the hands of the Lord and be still. Because trust me, God can handle the issue far better than you and I. Even on issues like this, pray and be still and let the Lord handle it. Trust God. He can handle it. And he comes back and he says, and do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, two ways we can look at this. And the second thing I think I'm going to extract out of this text that might help us to deal with the anger is not only do not let it drive, do not let it last. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, there's a couple ways you can look at this. One way to look at this is literally don't let the sun go down. Don't go to bed angry with your spouse or angry with whatever the issue was. Before the sun goes down, you need to go handle that anger issue. That's the way some people look at it. Now, another way of looking at it is that he's giving you a time span of daylight, the 12 hours of daylight, or he's saying there's a reasonable amount of time for anger to happen, but don't let it go beyond reasonable. And so, I mean, you can kind of choose how you're going to work that, but I think the idea is this. Don't let anger hang around too long. Because when anger hangs around, it's like a cancer. It just grows and grows and grows, and it's eating away at you. I might have one or two people that might be honest enough to say that I've been angry over a situation for a long time. But... The fact that you've held on to it for years, you're still mad at Johnny for taking your Etch-A-Sketch back in 1975. You angry, mad about him, and Johnny had gone on, he's having a wonderful life. You're angry, you're holding on to stuff that has happened years ago, months ago, days ago. And while you're holding on to it, I need you to know something. That anger that you're holding on to is physiologically affecting you too. Because when we're angry, it affects our physiological body. You can get angry to the point that you can feel your heart beating in your chest. Anybody ever been there? And you don't normally hear or feel your heart, but you can get so angry that you can feel it. You can hear it. That, That means you're getting worked up. Now, some of you can get angry so much so that you can feel the tightening of your skin. And if you've been real angry, you've been so angry that you lose your sight. You're angry, so angry that you're blind with fury. That's a literal thing that transpires when you're so angry that blood rushes to the eye vessels and it stresses the eye vessel to the extreme that you can't even see. All you can see is red. And if you let it linger, if you let it last, you're keeping that stress on blood vessels and on a body that was never intended to have that level of stress on it. And you're keeping it on there for an extended period of time. And it's growing and it's eating away and it's destroying you. Because you're angry at somebody else or something else. Don't let it last. It'll kill you if you let it last. 
you got to deal with. Pastor, what, how do you, what do you mean deal with? Pray and be still. Let the Lord handle it. Thirdly, he says in verse 27, nor give place to the devil. Finally, and I'm out of your way, don't let your anger fall into the hands of the devil. When you let anger drive and you let anger linger and last, you're giving way or a foothold or an opportunity for the devil to take it. And when you let the devil have it, he will take you to his place. His place is still kill and destroy. That's what he does. He's good at that. And anger can get you so worked up that that's exactly where you'll find yourself going down the trail that you're on the verge of stealing, killing, or destroying in an essence to correct your environmental difference. See, what the devil will do is he'll take your anger that you already have. He'll stir it up, fuel it up. Before you know it, instead of you walking away from the situation, you are keying the car and cutting the tires. See, anger will have you to the place where instead of apologizing, you're giving the silent treatment. And you living in the same house, some sleeping in the same bed, got the same children, go to the same church, and y'all don't even talk to each other. You're getting the silent treatment. You're mad that you ain't saying nothing. Anger will take you there to a place of sin and ultimately destruction and death, division. That's what the enemy, he's good at that. So if you let anger keep having its way, you're fighting and you're hitting instead of having fellowship. So now it's out of control. Why? Because we gave the seed of anger to the devil and we let him have his way with it. Don't let it fall into his hands. When we let it fall into his hands, we will see the manifestation of innocent black men being killed on the streets. When it falls in his hands, we'll see the manifestation of it by police officers being shot down who had nothing to do with the situation. Now you've got five dead police officers whose families have to deal with their death and their children have to grow up without their father. Why? Because you gave it to the devil and he's good at it. Because we let it fester. Because we let it have its way. Don't let anger drive. Don't let anger last. Don't let anger fall into the hands of the devil because when it falls into the hands of the devil, that anger that you now have turns into fear and now fear is how you live your life. Now you're afraid for your children. All of a sudden, you're overly concerned about your sons driving their cars. You're overly concerned about what's going to happen to them. And that's what the devil wants. He wants you to not walk in faith but walk in fear. So he's trying to move you to a place where you can now trust you and not trust God. Because in Psalms 4, verse 4, 5 comes back and tells us to trust in the Lord. So we have a choice when we have anger. You can either trust in the Lord or you can let it linger, let it last, and let him drive until it comes to the hands of the devil. And you can turn your anger over into the hands of the devil. If we don't deal with the anger properly. We become partners with the devil in the execution of his plan to steal, kill, and to destroy now, let me help you with this also. I need to uncover something for you because when the devil says we're going to kill the person, we're going to destroy the person, he doesn't let you know I'm really trying to kill you too. Because now when you go out and execute whatever you execute, you got to deal with the penalty of that. When you go out and hurt somebody, now you go to jail. Now your family is affected. Your children don't have a dad. Your children don't have a mom. But he doesn't tell you that 
The idea is we're going to get it back and we're going to handle it. That's not what he's after. He doesn't care about you. He's not trying to work in your favor. He just wants to destroy the reputation of God. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of people who say we got to do something. Pastor, what do we do? I say this. We pray and be still. And know that we serve a God who's able to handle it. But pastor, these are innocent people who are being shot in the street and they don't deserve it. Well, I'll say to you that this isn't the first time that an innocent man was killed. Because 2,000 years ago, though it didn't show up on Twitter or Facebook, there was a man named Jesus. He was guilty of nothing, but they crucified him. Matter of fact, the justice system failed him. He had a trial. They took him to court. But it was a kangaroo court. It was fixed against sons of God. And when they took him to court, they convicted him, crucify him. As I looked at that story of what he went through, it dawned on me that Jesus knew how to deal with the anger according to the word of God. Because I'm convinced that when he went to the garden of Gethsemane, he was angry then and dealing with his anger. I believe he was angry at what he knew was going to happen. He was angry at the fact that I'm going to give my life for these people who don't even care about me. He's angry about the fact I came here to save them, but they want to crucify me. He's angry about the fact that I'm going to give my life, save all, but all won't come to me. But rather than him dealing with his anger by letting it last and linger and giving it over to the devil, he goes to the garden and prays. When he's praying, he says, Father, this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but let your will be done. I'm going to be still. You handle it. This is what he necessarily said. Then he gets up from praying three times. Here come the Roman soldiers to take him. And Peter pulls out a sword and slices off one of the ears of the soldiers. Jesus reaches over, picks up the ears and says, Peter, we're not going to handle it that way. He reattaches the man's ear, but he's still. He goes all the way through the beating, through the whipping, through the nailing of a cross, and he's still and let God handle it. And they crucify him. He died that day. But for those of you who are angry about innocent folk dying, he was innocent and he died the death we deserve. Pastor, nobody deserves to die. These men died on the street. And I would somewhat insist and say, I agree. What I can't agree with is we don't deserve to die because according to the scripture, the wages of sin is death. We all deserve to die. But this man 2,000 years ago died in our place so that we could die no more. The innocent died unjustly for the guilty. How can we get angry about injustice when the fact that we are saved is a grace gift from God? If justice really was to prevail, we all would die and go straight to hell. But grace steps in and erases the sin debt because an innocent man died for the guilty. Don't let it drive. Don't let it last. Don't let it fall into the hands of the devil. Pray and be still. Now I want to help you with something. I know it seems bad, but this ain't the worst of it. Because if you keep reading through your scripture, what you'll find is it's going to get worse than what you're seeing right now. And it's going to become so bad that the scripture says, after the church is wrapped, the men will run to the mountain and cry out, mountains fall on us. It's going to be so bad. We haven't got to that yet. We're just in mild stages of evil being released in the world. Ultimately, God will resurrect us 
Remove us from this wickedness. Consecrate us holy. Come back, rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Judge all the earth and all the dead that are in it. And then finally, a new heaven and a new earth shall come. And we shall live eternally with the Lord. Trust him. He can handle it. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bucus Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 1045 a.m., and 1230 p.m. For service locations and or additional information, contact our church office at 301-336-7150. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Buca Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence. Hi, Don Crow here for Passport Auto Group a family-owned business with a stellar reputation for... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.